Nothing is more important in life than the good portion. What is the good portion? It's knowing and worshiping God. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. Well, we wished a happy Mother's Day to you before. We want to do that again here today. Uh, I know that for many of us today, is it's a happy day celebrating the mothers who have loved us and who have cared for us through it all. But I also know that Mother's Day can be a very difficult day for some of us as well. Uh, Perhaps your mother wasn't a very good mother. Perhaps your mother has passed away, and so there are some painful feelings elicited by this day. Uh, Perhaps some have wished to be moms, but for some reason have not been able to do so. Or perhaps there are some moms who feel guilty, wishing they were better mothers. So I understand there may be some negative or painful feelings and memories associated with this day. And my heart goes out to you, and I can certainly identify with the pain of losing your mother, but I rejoice that she is with the Lord. So I pray then that whatever your situation, you will be encouraged by the sermon today. This message here today is for busy moms. Do we have any busy, stressed out moms here today? Maybe a few of us, right? Uh, So it's for busy, stressed out moms. But it's also for some not as stressed out moms, and it's also, though, for all women, and it's also a message for men as well. So it's a message for all women, it's a message for all men, it's a message for all young people, it's an all message for all not as young people as well. In short, this message here today is for everyone here and for all who are watching online as well. Our title here today is The Good Portion, The Good Portion, and our text is coming from the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And here is the key that I want us to take away from this here, is that nothing, nothing is more important in life than the good portion. What is the good portion? It's knowing and worshiping God. Nothing else, nothing is more important in life than knowing and worshiping God, that which Jesus called the good portion in our text here today. So before we look at our text in Luke chapter 10, a little context here. This passage from the Gospel of Luke speaks of an incident in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Martha and Mary were sisters, and Lazarus was their brother. And they were friends of Jesus. They lived in a little village called Bethany, just a few miles east of Jerusalem. And tradition says that Martha was the oldest, that she was a widow, and that her sister Mary and brother Lazarus came to live with her. With her, but there are three incidents that we know of involving them in the scriptures. The first, then, is this story, which is a little bit earlier in Jesus' ministry, which we will read in just a moment. 
The second story involving these three, and perhaps the best known one, is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Isn't that a wonderful story there in John chapter 11? But third, then, is the story near the end of Jesus' ministry, when Mary poured out a bottle of expensive perfume on Jesus as an expression of her love for him. Remember that? And she had this very expensive bottle of perfume. She poured it out to anoint him and some of the disciples that they were dismayed. They were annoyed. You know, this, that's a very, very valuable thing. It could have been sold and given to the poor, said Judas, right? But we know Judas really wasn't concerned about the poor. What was he concerned about? What he could get for it for himself out of it, right? And so those are the stories that we have in Scripture that involve these sisters and brother then. And so our story today then is the first one from earlier in Jesus' ministry. Now, Jesus was growing to be quite popular. And there are many people that wanted to see him, wanted to be around him. But as Jesus would eventually make quite clear... He wasn't really interested in big crowds for the sake of big crowds. What he was really interested in were people who would listen to his word and then act upon it. He was seeking worshipers, followers, disciples, students who would learn and worship and put him first in all things. As he would tell the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, the Father is seeking worshipers, those who would worship him in what? In in spirit and truth, right? From the heart. You don't have to be in a particular place or engaging in certain rituals or traditions, but rather worship is something that comes from the heart, in the spirit. And it's also in truth. That is, according to how God has revealed himself in the scriptures, worshiping the true God in the right way, the way that God has ordained for us to worship him. This is worshiping in spirit and in truth. So Jesus would challenge these listeners to take up their cross, to die to self, to follow him. He would challenge people to listen to his words and to obey. Now in our text today then, Jesus had just told the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he was now once again on his way when he stopped at Martha's home then. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. 
So here we see then this welcome, this welcome here. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were all followers of Jesus. They lived in a village called Bethany, a few miles east of Jerusalem. Now, there weren't many Radisons or Holiday Inns available in those days, so showing hospitality by welcoming travelers into your home was a common practice. It was expected that a host would provide a meal, rest, and refreshment for weary travelers. Jesus was in the area, and he was welcomed into their home. And the meal that would be served was necessary. How many of you think it was important that a meal be served? Absolutely. It was important, right? It needed to be done. But it wasn't the most important thing at that moment. You see, sometimes we can be so wrapped up in important things, maybe even necessary things, that we neglect the most important thing of all. So I wonder, as you are busy doing the, you're fulfilling your responsibilities and maybe even your, your ministry responsibilities, have you ever wondered, does, does God want what you do for him or does he want your heart? Does God need you to do anything for him? Does God need me to do anything for him? He doesn't. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you to do anything that we do. Now, that does not mean that he doesn't want us to do these things, right? But he doesn't need us to do these things. He wants us to do these things, but he wants something far more important than what we do, and that is what? Us, our hearts. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be in right relationship with him. He wants us to know his love and his grace. And yes, there are things that need to be done. There are responsibilities, but we have the privilege. We have the privilege of serving in those ways. But never should those things we do take precedence over knowing him, over our hearts. So in this story then, we see one woman, Mary, who understood what the most important thing was. And we see another woman, Martha, who did not understand what the most important thing was. We see two different focuses here in these women. One who had a a focus on worship, and another who had a focus on work. Mary was focused on worship, while Martha was focused on work. So Mary's focus, worship, her focus on Jesus, it was listening to his words. It was enjoying his company. It was worshiping him. 
Now, as I said, it's not that the work didn't have to get done. It did, and it would. But Mary understood that there was a time to put the work aside for a while and commune with Jesus, just sitting at his feet. She knew things needed to be done, but her focus was on Jesus, not on getting the work done first. Mary was a devoted follower of Jesus. She wasn't a casual follower. She was devoted to him. She wanted to listen to everything he had to say. She wanted to hear him, to be with him, to just be in his presence. Think about that. What a privilege was that to have Jesus in their home, to have the Son of God in your home. Can you imagine just having a little personal one-on-one time in the flesh with the Messiah, the Son of God, in your home? And where's Mary? Rightly at his feet, listening to him, communing with him. Did a meal need to be served? Of course it did, and it would be. But what was most important at the moment? The relationship and being with him. Mary understood that. Mary understood that. She had an attitude of worship, worship first. And we would see, as we mentioned earlier, we would see that attitude of utter love and devotion first when she would take that bottle of expensive perfume and anoint him with it shortly before the crucifixion. Isn't it interesting, you know, it just occurred to me as I was saying that there, of these two instances here, we have Mary here, who's pouring out her heart in love and devotion to Jesus. Two instances of that that we see in Scripture here, where she is doing that, and she's getting, she gets criticized for it. You know, it's funny, that had not occurred to me until just right now, that in both instances where she is worshiping Jesus, she gets criticized. In this one, by her sister. Second time, with the bottle of perfume, what? By the disciples. Hmm. What does that say to you and me about the priority of worship and what others may say? Doesn't matter what others may say, does it? What matters is our heart of devotion to the Lord. She had an attitude of worship, but Martha had a different attitude. She had a, an attitude and a focus of the work. She was pouring all of her energy into getting the work done that had to be done. She was busy serving Jesus and and. Not just busy about it, but what? Worried and anxious about it. It's not just she was busy doing the work. She was what? See, it's not the problem isn't that she was doing something. The problem is what? Well, first of all, that she was doing that instead of what she should have been doing, but also how what spirit or attitude did she have about her as she was doing it? Worry and anxiety and stressing over it all because she had to make all these preparations. She had to get everything just right. Do we have anybody here who has to get everything just right all the time? Right? We do. Some of you are saying, nope. (laughs) 
We do have some. And by the way, is there anything wrong with different personalities and some people who like to have everything just right and just perfect and others who are a little more casual about it? Nothing wrong with that. That's what makes the world go around, right? So what was the problem then? Well, first of all, that she had a wrong focus to begin with, but then also then she was stressing about it in the, as well, right? Anxious about it. She's busy. She didn't have time to make the time to worship Jesus. You see, Martha needed an attitude adjustment. <laughs> she was so busy attending to the details of what needed to be done that she missed the most important thing, what Jesus calls the good portion. The good portion. Martha didn't take the time to have that fellowship with Christ. She wasn't communing with him. And when she did speak to him, think about this for just a moment. You have the Messiah, the Son of God, in your home. And you're busy, busy, anxious, fretting, stressing over getting everything right. And when you finally do speak to him, what does she say? She complains and she barks out an order at the Lord of the universe. (laughs) You ever think about that? And she even implies he doesn't care. Right? Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Pretty uh, bold, don't you think? Mm-hmm. So Martha's focus. Busy, busy, busy. Work, responsibilities, distractions, and her fellowship, none. And instead of worshiping the Lord, what does she do? She's complaining and making demands on him. Well, what does Jesus do? He rebukes her. He rebukes her. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha is irritated at having to do all the work herself, worried, distracted, upset, not enjoying the company of the Lord, stressed out, She has chosen poorly. And Jesus rebukes her. Now I know, in fact, I just had a conversation with a fellow pastor about this just the other day, that there's a tendency on the part of some pastors, and I get it, I feel the pressure too. Some of us here, and some some ministers that they wanna they wanna they wanna defend Martha. They want to defend Martha in this, right? And say, look, well, this is important. It had to be done. There's nothing wrong. With the, the, somebody had to get that meal ready, right? Yes, yes, it had to be done, we protest. Well, yes, it did. But the point is what? There would be time for that. What was most important was because Jesus didn't say, Martha, I appreciate, I know somebody has to do, prepare, so I appreciate you doing it. No, he rebukes her. Why? Because she had a lousy, first of all, her focus was all wrong, and she had a lousy attitude to boot. And he rebukes her. 
because she didn't understand the critical importance of worship first, work second. She did not understand the good portion. Remember, uh, many of you have heard me say this before, but if some of you have not, I have to just remind you of the most profound lesson I think I received uh, when I was given this wonderful gift of this trip to Israel that you, you gave me, and it's hard to believe that was like seven years ago. Can you believe that was seven years ago now? But in, in going there and, and walking where Jesus walked, literally, and seeing this, it was, it's quite an amazing experience seeing these places and reflecting on the things, the events that took place there. But I had a moment to hear, do some reflecting, and, and there was one of, the, one of the, the leaders of the group who was giving a devotional message, and, uh, and I had a chance to talk with him afterwards a little bit, and he, and he said something that, that really, that, that I needed to hear then, and I need to remind myself of it again and again, and I think there are some of us here that need to hear it too. And that was when he said, Dan, God doesn't need you, and he doesn't need anything you do for him. He just wants you. He wants your heart. And I think that was the most important thing I took. Oh, That's exactly what I needed to hear at that point. Because I was stressing out. I was, burning, I was getting this close to burning out. Focused on work we've got to do, got to do, got to do this. Responsibilities. Realizing, you know what? I'm not carrying this church. He is. And he doesn't need me to do it. In fact, I get the privilege of doing what I, of knowing him and doing what I do. And you know what? It's the same for you and me, too. That, that, that he doesn't need you, doesn't need me to do anything we do for him. He just wants our heart. And when he has our heart, are we going to do things? for him, to honor him, and absolutely we are. But the point is understanding where the focus is. First is worship. First is relationship. Then what we do. You see, Mary had chosen the good portion. I'd like us to reflect on that. What is the good portion? Well, the good portion is God himself. The good portion is God, knowing him. The good portion is listening to Jesus, focusing on him first. You know, it's better to commune with him than to be worried and upset about everything you have to get done. In Mary's case, she had the joy and the privilege of sitting at Jesus' feet, seeing him and hearing him directly in the flesh. Now, we can't commune with Jesus in the flesh like that, but we certainly can come into his presence and listen to him, can't we? Now, how do we commune with Jesus? How do we sit at his feet, as it were? Well, we do that by meeting him in his word and meditating on his word. And we meditate on his word, what do we do? We, we listen to what his word is saying and we reflect on that. We chew that over. We think about that in our minds. Asking God to direct our thinking and speak to us through it. We meditate on his word. 
We talk with him. We talk with him in prayer. We commune with him in nature. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, I've told you before about uh, a person who is very important in my life, and I couldn't help but think about this person uh, in reading this and thinking about this, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. Uh, There was a, a woman named Jill who was the mother of a good friend of mine, And Jill and her husband, Keith, led a Bible study when I was in high school. So it was for a number of us high school kids who were seeking to follow Jesus. And she and her husband led this Bible study in their home. And Jill, you may know her as the balance lady. Remember I've told you about that? This is always say, now kids you got to have the balance, right, where, you know, don't go off to one extreme or another, but always seeking a healthy biblical balance in all things. So that was Jill. But one of the things, Jill, the other thing that, that Jill was famous, well, there were a number of things she was famous for saying, but, but you know, besides the balance, there was, there was this one, is you would be stressing out about something, trying to figure out what are you going to do about that, and Jill would listen to all of that, and then she would just say, honey, you need to sit at the feet of Jesus for a while, right? So I wonder, I won't call you honey, but maybe you need to fit, maybe you need to sit at the feet of Jesus for a while. I need that reminder myself from time to time. How about you? Anybody feeling a little stressed out? You need to sit at the feet of Jesus for a while. Worship is communing with him. And I have to tell you, you know, when you do that, is that going to make all your problems just go away? No. Problems aren't going to just go away. But what worship can do is bring us peace and perspective in the midst of them. And wisdom. Wisdom in how to handle it. You see, God is the good portion. Knowing him is the best thing. Do you know God? You know, here is uh, something, there's a a book um, called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's a classic that I have used on a number of occasions in discipling others. And there's just a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you on that. From that, uh, the the first concerns just the the majesty and the grandeur of God and the pursuit of God. He really does in this book. He really does a wonderful job of just laying out for us how there is no greater pursuit in life than knowing God. Is there? Because there is nothing and no one greater of all that exists than God. And so there is no higher, no loftier, no higher ambition or goal or endeavor or purpose or plan in life than to know God. And so Packer does a wonderful job of of explaining to us or, or shedding some light, if you will, on just how grand and majestic and awesome God is. You know, that, that, that word awesome has unfortunately become so common and that, that, that anything and everything is awesome now, 
right? You know, like you, you, you find out, you know, that uh, bread is on sale. Awesome! Is it really awesome that bread is 10 cents cheaper? Nowadays, Nowadays it, is. it might be, right? But I said I wasn't going into politics anymore here. So, yeah, so maybe something cheaper is good, right? But is it awesome? Does it strike you with awe? I think that, what what does awesome really mean? I think there's a, you know, sometimes there are some words that just when we say it and the shape of our mouth kind of says awe. Doesn't that kind of say, that's what awesome is, what awe is how your mouth, your jaw just drops in, in amazement and wonder. Awesome, right? God is awesome, right? He's the only awesome one, right? And so he shows us just how awesome God is and why (laughs) if we're not consumed first with him and knowing him, now we're missing it all, aren't we? There's nothing greater in life than to know God. But then another thing he talks about, a challenge for us there that I want us to just reflect on a moment, is the difference between knowing about God and knowing God, right? We can know a lot of things about God, but that doesn't mean that we truly know God, does it? There's a difference. What's the difference? Well, one is facts or observations, information, and the other is what? Relationship. Personal relationship. It's great to learn more about God, And that's helpful for us. We need to learn more about God as we read his word. But if it stops there with learning more about him, we've missed it. It's about turning that knowledge about him into knowledge of him. And he says, and how do we do that? Well, Packer suggests the way that we turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God is by meditating on that knowledge receiving that knowledge about him in his word, meditating on it, prayerfully meditating on that, listening to him, that that knowledge about him gets turned into knowledge of him. The grandeur and the majesty of God and the knowledge of him, not just knowledge about him. I want to conclude with this passage in Philippians. It says, I once thought these things were valuable, the Apostle Paul speaking here, that is all of his religiosity and advantages that he had and everything he knew about God. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, rubbish, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And here's the key. I want to know Christ and the experience and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I'll think, yeah, I want that too. I want to know Christ. I want to know that power. 
And then we read the next line and we say, but you know what? That's part of it. That, this is how part of how we come to know Christ and know his power is this next part. I want to suffer with him. Who's still on board? Who's still on board with me now, right? I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You know, everything else in life is garbage compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. Knowledge of God, not knowledge about God. So what? I'll take us back to where we started. Remind us that nothing, nothing is more important in life than the good portion. That is knowing and worshiping God. So I'll conclude by just asking this simple question. Do you know God? Can you say that you know God? It takes a lifetime, doesn't it? Actually, it doesn't even take a lifetime. You know how long it takes? Eternity. Eternity. <laughs> yeah, longer than a lifetime. It takes forever. And even then, I suspect we're, re- well, we're never, or will we ever truly know God in absolute fullness? No, we won't. But boy, I think we're going to continue to learn and grow, not just in our knowledge about him, but our knowledge of him and our love forever and ever and ever. And there's nothing more important. Has been famously said, the chief end of man or the chief purpose for human beings is what? To pursue God. To pursue God. You know, is is the, the knowledge of God, to know God, to worship Him, to glorify Him forever, right? That's what it's all about. So let's stop stressing over everything we have to do and focus first on the good portion God Himself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time here together in your word. Lord, some of us needed to hear that rebuke, that we're too focused on other things, we're busy and we're stressed out, and we're not seeking you. And so, God, I would pray then that our hearts, that you would turn our hearts away from our stressors, away from the anxiety, to focus upon you. Teach us, Lord, what it means truly to know you. Not to know more about you, but to truly know you. This is our prayer today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.